Okay, the psalm we're going to look at today is Psalm 100. You may want to follow along. It's um, on page 593 in your pew Bible. Very familiar psalm. Uh, I'll read it exactly like it is in the NIV, and I will correct it <laughs> later on, which is so arrogant to say, but in the talk I'll mention some things. Psalm 100, listen please, for this is God's word to us. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. He made us. We are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to God and praise his name. For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues throughout all generations. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations that abide in our hearts, may these be pleasing to you and lifting us up. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me start by saying all of us are the same. We are all exactly the same. Now, that's not a very popular message in modern times because we don't like to think of ourselves as the same. We like to celebrate our uniqueness. We like to celebrate our own inner wonderfulness and how we're all created so differently. But bottom line is we're all the same. Bottom line is they're all the same. One of the um, most overlooked uh, or overused and I think obnoxious illustrations that's used in our part of the world, and if you're a Sunday school teacher and you're going to use this next week, kind of rethink this one, is that uh, to kind of demonstrate how unique we all, all are, all our inner wonderfulness, we're all like, the illustration goes, snowflakes. And every snowflake is beautiful and unique, and every time I hear that illustration, I want to say, first, I'm not a flake. <laughs> Second, you may think I am, but I'm not, it's all snow. It is all snow, and it all falls down and makes this big glop on my sidewalk, and I have to move it. It's, and we're all the same. Now, I, again, I know that's not the popular message. We like to try hard to distinguish ourselves, like, I'm way different from you. And, and one of the ways we do this, and here I'm not making fun. This is serious. That we're all broken in different and sometimes unique ways. So I'm well aware that within our body, there are some who have come from very dysfunctional families. There are some who have been in very abusive situations. There are some who have all kinds of issues with alcohol. There are some who are diseased and fighting all kinds of things. And, and in that case, we're all broken in very different ways. But the point is, we're all broken. And nobody gets out of that. And all of us, however it is we're broken, all of us have the exact same fundamental need. And the same fundamental bottom line need is we need to be in a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And that means we don't need to have some kind of spiritual awareness. We need to have a very specific spiritual awareness. We need to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the, the, um, the question I want to ask today, the thing I want to talk about today is how do we become more intimate with how do we get into a closer, fuller, more adequate relationship with the Lord? 
and therefore deal with some of the brokenness that we have. And in order to do that, I want to look at Psalm 100, one of the most well-loved and um, well-known psalms that there is in all the Psalter. So the first thing I want to do is look at Psalm 100 in a very literal way. And when I say literal, I mean structurally little, uh, literal. The structure of the psalm is instructional, the way it's put together. If you were at the retreat um, yesterday, uh, our retreat leader spoke a little bit about the structures of psalms and how it is they don't rhyme. We've talked about this before. But there are parallel, uh, there's parallelism going on all over the place and oftentimes progression. So verse 1 leads to verse 2 and there's a parallelism going on there. So, so let me try to explain what's going on structurally in Psalm 100. I want you to imagine there's a PowerPoint right here. Can you see it? Because as we know, you know we're all the same. We're all visual learners. And uh, if, if we can't see it, then we don't learn. Like Jesus did on the Sermon on the Mount. You know, when he had the PowerPoint back there, how would we ever remember the sermon if it wasn't for Jesus' PowerPoint? So anyway, I, I want you to imagine the PowerPoint. And you can see verse 1 up here of, of uh, Psalm 100, where it says, this is what we're to do. You're to make a joyful noise. You see where it says that? Make a joyful noise, serve the Lord with gladness, come into his presence with thanksgiving. So those are three things that we're to do. Now, out of that doing comes knowing. Know that the Lord is God. So if you do this, make a joyful noise, serve the Lord, come into his presence. If you do, then out of that flows a certain knowing. And then over here, you have the parallelism. So verse 1 is roughly, it's kind of like this, verse 1 and 2 is parallel to verse 3, in which it says, uh, come into his gates. So now we're, as a parallelism, this is what we're to do, but you're getting more specific. Come into his gates with thanksgiving, and out of that doing comes a very specific knowing. Know that the Lord is good, know that the Lord is faithful, and such. So the structure itself tells us that out of doing, sing, make a joyful noise, serve the Lord, come into his presence, out of doing comes knowing. Now that seems like a simple thing to say, but I want to suggest in the church we get that backwards most of the time. That in the church... We want to make people know something. We want to persuade them in order that they can do. When in all the rest of life, in all other venues of life, we do it back the other way around. We do first so that we can know and feel. So let's, let me flesh that one out. Let's raise up a child. I won't take too long. I want you to imagine a four-year-old. Does the mother sit down with the four-year-old and persuade the child that reading is a good idea? Or do you just start reading to the kid? And out of that doing comes the child's knowledge of reading and desire to read. Move that child up to seventh, uh, seven-year-old kid. Do you try to persuade the child that baseball is a fabulous sport and that there's a rich history to baseball and you really can't play baseball unless you know the rich history and it's a metaphor for all of life? Or do you just stick a stick in their hand and tell them to whack that ball on the stick? You do, and out of that doing, come with me to Thanksgiving, Thursday. Before the child sits down for Thanksgiving dinner, do you quiz them to make sure they have an adequate amount of gratitude in their hearts? Do you quiz them to make sure they really understand, they really understand all the rich history of Thanksgiving and pilgrims and all that, or do you sit them down and stick turkey in front of their face? And out of that doing comes knowing or the desire to know. 
And I want to suggest that's the way it takes place in all of life. That we are obedient unto the Lord. Not oftentimes because we feel like it, or we even know why we're obedient. But we're obedient unto the Lord because out of that obedience, out of that walking with, comes a deeper sense of knowing, a deeper sense of affection, feeling, and a deeper love. So we start with doing, to put it bluntly, you come to church so that. Now, what is it that you're supposed to do? Well, the psalm tells us very explicitly. Make a joyful noise, serve the Lord, come into his presence. So let's look at these three. Make a joyful noise. Sing unto the Lord. I'm going to use all S words. Sing unto the Lord. Now, our translation says, shout unto the Lord. No. Not only is that kind of a fuzzy way of translating the Hebrew, I think, You don't come to church and shout. You go to football games and shout. Maybe I'm shouting now, but I'll back off. (laughs) And if I can repeat myself over and over again, church is not a shouting place. Church was never, ever, ever designed to be exciting, the most overused word in church. Church is the place designed to be holy and formational so that we sing joyful noises unto the Lord even if you don't feel like it. Because that's what you do. Even if you're in the valley of the shadow of death, even if things are all broken in your life, you sing unto the Lord, you make a joyful noise unto the Lord because that's what we are called upon to do. You give thanks. So the first thing you do is sing unto the Lord. Second thing we do, we serve the Lord with gladness. We serve. And the most foundational kind of service that we can give is worship. A worship service. That's what we're doing now. The most foundational kind of, or the most fundamental kind of worship that we do is that we worship in our service to the Lord. Now, let me push the same point. What happens if you don't feel like it? Because, of course, we treat religion different from everything else, and we say, oh, the things we say, If your heart's not in it, then it doesn't have any meaning. (sighs) Imagine a junior high kid sits down with mom and says, Mom, I really don't feel like doing my math. And you know, if, if, if you don't feel it, you know, then it doesn't have any meaning. And mom says, oh, well, you're right if it doesn't have any meaning for you because you don't feel like, well, why don't you go text your friends because that has meaning in your life. I mean, that's crazy. You don't do that. So what do you do? You sing unto the Lord whether you feel like it or not. You change your behavior. You serve the Lord because out of service of the Lord comes a deeper knowing, comes a deeper obedience, comes a deeper affection, comes a deeper love. So you sing unto the Lord, you serve the Lord, and you separate yourself. You come into his presence. You separate yourself from the things of the world because the things of the world are very sticky. And we need to separate. Holy detachment is what it's called in spiritual formation kind of things. You, you detach yourself. You separate from yourself from the world. And the way to do that is by doing it over and over again. Every week we come to church, whether we feel like it or not. In the morning we pray to the Lord. In the evening we pray to the Lord. Each of us prays to the Lord, not somebody else praying for us. We pray unto the Lord in order to separate ourselves from the world, come into his presence, and out of that comes a deeper knowing. So the first thing that we do is we sing unto the Lord, we serve the Lord, we separate ourselves from the world. 
But we also need to, within the context of that, stay focused. So we sing unto the Lord, we serve the Lord with gladness, we separate ourselves unto the Lord, we come into the Lord's presence, we stay focused. The problem is, it's very difficult to stay focused. Are you still listening? <laughs> wait, 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 ah, oh, you caught me. <laughs> um, it is. It's, it's hard to stay. So how do you stay focused? I want to suggest the only way that we stay focused is to repeat that practice over and over again. That you pray every single day. Not once a day, twice a day, three times a day. Repetitive, over and over again. That you come to worship over and over again. So you can get that in your, in your heart. In, um, in sports and in music, all the musicians up here know this, they, and we've talked about this, they have something called muscle memory. You know that phrase? So that if you're a guitar player like Jim, if, how do you move from the C chord to the D chord? You don't have to think about it. What does this finger do? It just knows what to do. It's in the muscle memory. The muscle memory, the memory of your heart. So you just know to stay focused because you've been focused, because you've repeated it over and over and over again. Three times a day, morning, noon, and night, every Sunday, once a year for a retreat. That repetition, and by the way, can I repeat myself? Repetition? Is repetition exciting? No. No. Is it important? Yeah. Church is never intended to be exciting, ever. It's intended to be holy and formative. So we do these things, we sing, we serve, we separate, we stay focused, and out of that, there comes a particular kind of knowing. We know that the Lord is good. We know that the Lord is God. We know that the Lord is with us. And as, as we've known, the word know in the Bible and the Hebrew is a very intimate, powerful word. Adam knew Eve. You know what that means, right? He was intimate. We know the Lord. In the core of our being, we know the Lord because we've done those kinds of things, because we've been obedient even when we don't feel like it. And we do that over and over again. We've prayed 10,000 times before. We've come to worship over and over again so that we know. And we look at our own history, not only the history of the Bible, which is critically important, we look to see where we have been as a people, but we look at our own lives and we see that we've fallen before. And by the way, when we sin, but we like, don't like to call that sin, do we? Because it's all our inner wonderfulness. When we sin, the Bible tells us to do what? Repent. And repentance is an activity. When John the Baptist was speaking to his uh, congregation, and the congregation came to him and said, what are you talking about? How do you repent? And John looked at the one and said, how many coats do you have? I got two coats. Well, give one away. It's an activity. What do you do for a living? I'm a tax collector. Well, stop cheating. It's an activity. You do, and out of the doing comes a knowing. We know that the Lord is God. We know that the Lord is good, and we know that the Lord is with us. He has been with us before. He is with us now. And at the end of our little day, when we have no more strength left, 
we know, because we know the Lord, we know the Lord will carry us home. And we have no questions about that, because we know, out of all that obedience. Why is it that in religion we flip that around? Why is it that we think, you know, if the Lord wants me to know him, he'll zap me and I'll know him. If the Lord wants me to be a faster runner, he'll give me faster legs. Well, that and a lot of repetitions and like 40 miles a week. <laughs> if you want to know the Lord more intimately, if you really want to know the Lord, then there's some work to be done. Sing unto the Lord. Serve the Lord. Separate yourself from that mess. Stay focused on the Lord, and you will know, and you will feel, and you will love with a deeper affection, with a deeper knowing. And if the church is not saying that, it's not being told. And that's the truth. So let's pray. Lord, we give, we give our thanks and our love. You have loved us first, so we're just returning to you that which you have placed in us. Give us a deeper desire to walk more obediently with and in you. In Christ's name, amen.